Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite films of all time, Dirty Harry. So you got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Shot Well, let's get right into it. Dirty Harry came out on December 23rd of 1971, starring Clint Eastwood as Inspector Callahan, or Dirty Harry, as the title says, and Andrew Robinson as the killer known as Scorpio, loosely based on the Zodiac Killer, who came to fame around this time, too. The director is Don Siegel, who also directed Flaming Star, starring Elvis Presley, and Escape from Alcatraz, also starring Clint Eastwood. The running time of Dirty Harry is 102 minutes. And fun fact, the budget for Dirty Harry was $4 million. A lot in current time. And get this, it made $36 million in the box office. That's, like, incredible. $36 million in the box office, and the budget was only $4 million. Now also remember Clint Eastwood had done some spaghetti westerns and other things so most people probably went to see it because of Clint Eastwood and I'm not surprised it made that much money because it's I mean an incredible movie so I think we should talk a little bit about this let's let me pull up my first thing over here number 41 on 100 Years, 100 Thrills, a list of American most heart-pounding movies. Harry Callahan was selected as the 17th greatest movie hero on 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. The movie's famous quote, You got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do ya, punk? Was ranked 51st on 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. Dirty Harry was also on the ballot for several other AFI's 100 series lists, including 100 Years, 100 Movies, 100 Years, 100 Movies, 10th Anniversary Edition, and 100 Years of Film Scores. So, obviously, a lot of, I mean, the American Film Institute, it got recognition from that. So, that's crazy. Not a lot of movies get recognition from that. So, very good that it did. I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was supposed to be as good as it was, but in my opinion, it's a great movie, and I love it a lot. I actually just rewatched it today so I could be ready for this uh, podcast. So, I rewatched it today, and I just was amazed again because it's a great movie and all. I don't think that there was that kind of movie at that time because of the Zodiac, and Don Siegel came along and directed Dirty Harry, and it was just blown out of the box office from the budget. And that's amazing because, you know, there's some movies that are complete flops and they don't even meet their budget uh, from the box office. So not all the time does it succeed those great limits. Most Marvel movies and Disney movies sometimes do. Um... But not a lot uh, at that time, which is pretty good for when it came out, which was 71. And the Zodiac Killer had, I don't remember, I don't really know when, what part time of the Zodiac that was, but it was, you know, 
it was around that time because Scorpio is based off of the Zodiac. And, you know, I think Scorpio or Scorpion, pretty sure that is a Zodiac sign. So, Don Siegel and the writer definitely took, uh, sorry, Don Siegel and Harry, Harry Julian Fink definitely took idea off of the Zodiac for the killer. A deranged psychopath that goes around killing people, writing notes with a little tag. I mean, that was the Zodiac. And the name is obviously very familiar. It was, you know, very similar. So, that is, it's funny that, and another funny thing is, in um, the movie Zodiac, with Robert Downey Jr., and, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Mark Ruffalo. In that movie, um, if you watch it, there's a part where, um, they go to, um, I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal goes to, um, a movie theater and talks to somebody and says, like, don't worry, we're gonna catch this guy. And the police, uh, the chief, is watching, he's in the movie theater, and he goes, they're already making movies about this, you better hurry up. Obviously, they never did catch the Zodiac, so. Doesn't really matter. The script titled Dead Right, by the husband and wife team of Harry Julian Fink and Rita M. Fink, was originally about a hard-edged New York City police inspector, Harry Callahan, who was determined to stop Travis, a serial killer, killer, even if he has to skirt the law and accept standards of policing, blurring the distinction between criminal and cop, to address the question as to how far a free democratic society can go to protect itself. The original draft ended with a police sniper instead of Callahan shooting Scorpio. Another er earlier version of the story was set in Seattle, Washington. Four more drafts of the script were written, written, and obviously we got the good one. Um, although Dirty Harry is arguably Clint Eastwood's signature role, that and the man with no name from Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, he was not a top contender, actually, for the part. The role of uh, Callahan was offered to John Wayne, Frank Sinatra, Robert Mitchum, Steve McQueen, and Burt Lancaster. Lancaster. I think I pronounced that right. I don't know if I did. I think I did. In his 1980 interview with Playboy, George C. Scott claimed that he was initially offered the role, but the script's violent nature led him to turn it down. When producer Jennings Lang initially could not find an actor to take the role of Callahan, he sold the film rights to ABC Television. Although ABC wanted to turn it into a television film, imagine how much violence would have been caught, cut out of that. The amount of violence in the script, exactly, was deemed excessive for television, so the rights were sold to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers purchased the script with a view to casting Frank Sinatra in the lead. Can you imagine Frank Sinatra as Dirty Harry? Frank Sinatra as Dirty Harry. What would that be? That would just be a completely different movie. Completely. Like... Frank Sinatra, and they also said John Wayne. I could see Steve McQueen. I wouldn't doubt Steve McQueen. I could see that. But, John, but also, I was just about to say, John Wayne really only, really is known for the Western stuff, but so was Clint Eastwood at that time. So, 
it doesn't really matter, you know? Um, where was I? Da-da-da-da-da. Okay. Along with Kirshner as a director, Millis claimed that he was requested to write the screenplay for Sinatra in three weeks. Three weeks! That's, that's like, day and night you're right, you would be having to write that script. Because you only got three weeks. I don't know if may, maybe that that is a lot of time for a screenwriter, because I'm not personally a screenwriter. But, to me, that doesn't seem like a lot of time. Um, Terrence Malick wrote a draft for the film dated November 1970, in which the shooter, also named Travis, was a vigilante who killed wealthy criminals who had escaped justice. So he seemed more like a Robin Hood, is what it looked like they were making it out to be when uh, Terrence, Terrence Malick wrote it. A shooter who who was a vigilante who killed wealthy criminals who had escaped justice. So, exactly like uh, Scorpio, um, because they let him out because uh, Callahan's way of detaining him and uh, trying to take him in was shooting him in the knee and uh, sort of messing all that up. So that didn't, obviously... You know, they had to let him go. They had no actual evidence proof. So, that's who it said Travis would have been after, right? And he would have been sort of like a... He would have gone for, like, people... Like, jewel robbers. Really rich criminals that had made it big from stealing. And would have then killed them. But that wouldn't have been Dirty Harry. Unless they're saying Travis would have been, like, the dirty carry of it. Because, re remember, the script was probably called Dead Right at the time. So, it, it wasn't Dirty Harry that we know today. And that's a lot of things with scripts. The first draft is never probably the movie you see. There's definitely elements, but it's never the same movie as the first script. Details about the film were first released in, the, in film industry trade papers in April. After Sinatra left the project, the producers started to consider younger actors for the role. Burt Lancaster turned down the lead role because he strongly disagreed with the violent end justifies the mean moral of the story. He believed the role and plot con, con, contract, con, contracted con, has a belief in collective responsibility for criminal and social justice and protective of individual rights. Marlon, Bla Marlon Blando Marlon Brando was was considered for the role, but he never formally approached both Steve McQueen. So, okay, so Marlon Brando, they thought about it. Like, <sighs> Marlon Brando as Dirty Harry. What? I mean, I could sort of see it a little bit, but Marlon Brando. Wow. Obviously, if you don't know, Marlon Brando was the Godfather uh, in the movie The Godfather by Francis Ford Coppola, um, based on the book by Mario Puzo. Um... Both Steve McQueen and Paul Newman turned down the role. So they both turned it down. Paul Newman wouldn't have been bad, probably. I could see him. McQueen refused to make another cop movie after Bullet. Bullet is also a very good movie, and I think McQueen could have been very good as, uh, um, Dirty Harry. Um, 
Believing the character was too right-wing for him, Newman suggested that the film would be a good vehicle for Eastwood. The screenplay was initially brought to Eastwood's attention around 1969 by Jennings Lang. Warner Brothers offered him the part, while still in post-reduction for his directorial debut, Play Misty for Me. By December 17, 1970, a Warner Brothers studio press release announced that Clint Eastwood was star in, as well produced the film through his company, Malpaso. Malpaso, I think is what it's called. So, he did eventually sign on for it. And, uh, fun fact about Play Misty, his good friend, um, uh, the dude that directed Dirty Harry, Don Siegel, was also in Play Misty, if you don't know. He plays a bartender. Eastwood wanted him on the film, on set of the film with him, in case Eastwood didn't know what he was doing or made any mistakes. So, that's... He had a lot of trust in Don Siegel, which then led to Don Siegel directing it, obviously. Um, Eastwood was given a number of scripts, but he ultimately reverted to the original as the best vehicle for him. So the original script he was given is the one he went back to. In a 2009 MTV interview, Eastwood said, So I said, I'll do it. But since they initially take talked to me, since they had initially talked to me, there had been all these rewrites. I said, I'm only interested in the original script. Looking back on the 1971 Don Siegel film, you remember the rewrites had changed everything. They had marine snipers coming on in the end, and I said, no. This is, the, this is losing the point of the whole story of the guy chasing the killer down. It's becoming an extravaganza that's losing its character. They said, okay, what do you want? So we went and made what I wanted, which was the first script. Scorpio, as I said, was loosely based on the real-life Zodiac killer, an unidentified serial killer who committed five murders in the in San Francisco Bay Area several years earlier. So it was several years earlier. Elements of Gary, Steve, and Chris, who were also worked in the characterization as Scorpio, like Chris, kidnaps a young girl and buries her alive while demanding ransom. In a later novelization of the film, Scorpio was referred to as Charles Davis, a former mental patient from Springfield, Massachusetts, interesting, who murdered his grandparents as a teenager. There are significant differences between the book and the film. Among the differences are Scorpio's point of view. The book he uses astrological in the book he uses astrology to make decisions, including being inspired to abduct Anne Mary Deacon, the uh, girl he puts in the sewer thing. The last girl he uh, kills. Um, Harry working on a murder case involving a mugger before he is assigned to Scorpio. The omission of the suicide jumper and Harry throwing away his badge at the end. So, so in the book, the reason Harry throws his badge away on the end at the end is because in the book he actually uh, lets the character lets the dude, the suicide jumper die, and he feels that he's done too much, too many bad things, and he doesn't deserve to be a police officer. Obviously, there's many sequels and stuff, so. Who cares? Audie Murphy was initially a play to, considered to play Scorpio, but he died in a plane crash before the, his decision or the offer could ever be made. When Keshner and Sinatra are still attached to the project, James Cann was under consideration of the role of Scorpio. James Cann? Really? Huh. That's interesting. That would be interesting. I would... 
a lot of times I like reading things about who else could have played it because a lot of times it's really interesting to see like, oh, this person really could have played it. But also remember that Marlon Brando was uh, all, uh one it was offered to play uh or he was considered, I think, to play uh Dirty Harry. And James Can, who and Marlon Brando went on to star in The Godfather and so did James Can. So they also they did work together eventually. Um, was under consideration for the role of Scorpio. The part eventually went to a relatively unknown actor, Andy Robinson. Eastwood had seen Robinson in a play called Subject of Fits and recommended him for the role of Scorpio. His unkept appearance Oh my god. Okay, get this. So Andy, uh, Andy, uh, what's his name? Andy Robinson had actually been to, had had to be in a mental hospital when he was a young child. Isn't that, that's weird. Because then he did play, like, this mentally insane person who in the book is a formal mental patient. That's weird. It doesn't say why he was in the mental hospital. I'm sure it wasn't anything, like, too bad. Otherwise, he wouldn't be in, uh... He wouldn't be in uh, the movies at all because you can't hire a deranged actor. That's just stupid. His unkept appearance fit the bill for a psychologically unbalanced hippie. Siegel told Robinson that he cast him in the role of Scorpio Killer because he wanted someone with a face like a choir boy. Me, actually. <laughs> I'm a choir guy. Robinson's portrayal was so memorable that after the film was released, he was reported to have received several death threats and was forced to get an unlisted telephone number in real life. Robinson is a pacifist who deplores the use of firearms. Early in principal photography on the film, Robinson was reportedly fl would reportedly flinch in discomfort every time he was required to use a gun as a result. Siegel was forced to halt production briefly and sent Robinson for brief training in order to learn how to fire a gun conceivingly. Millis said his main contribution to the film was a lot of guns and the attitude of Dirty Harry being a cop who was ruthless. I think it's an obvious if you look at the rest of my work, which parts are mine, what parts are mine. The cop being the same as the killer except he has a bad and being lonely. I wanted it to be like a stray dog. I was thinking in terms of Kur Kurosawa's detective films, he added. In my script version, there's just more outrageous Millis crap where I had the killer on the bus with a flamethrower. I tried to make the guy as outrageous as possible. I had him get a police photographer to take a picture of him with all the kids lined up at the school. He kidnaps them at school, actually, and they showed and they showed the picture to the other police to the other police after he made his demands. He wants a 747 to take him to a country, away to a country where he'll be free of police harassment. Millis laughs abruptly. Terrible things like this, and the children all end up like end up like a graduation picture and the teacher is saying what is that under what is the what is the what is that objective under Andy Robinson and the cop says that's a claymore mine teacher asks what's a claymore mine and we hear the voice of Harry say if he sets it off they're all spaghetti chief says that's enough Harry everybody said that's too much <laughs> John we can't have Millis doing this kind of stuff I wanted this guy to be totally outrageous all the time and I think and he is I think Siegel restrained it enough. Screenwriter John Millis owns 
One of the actual models, 29s, used in principle photography in Dirty Harry and Magnum Force as, as of March 2012 is on loan to the National Firearms Museum in Fairfax, Virginia, as in the Hollywood Guns Display in the William B. Rugger Gallery. Glenn Wright, Eastwood's costume designer since Rawhide, was responsible for creating Callahan's distinctive old-fashioned brown and yellow checker jacket to emphasize his strong values in pursuing crime. Filming for Dirty Harry began in April of 1971 and involved some risky stunts with much footage shot at night and the filming of filming the city of San Francisco early? Eerily, I think, a technique for which the film series is renowned. Eastwood performed the stunt in which he jumps onto the roof of the hijacked school bus from a bridge without a stunt double. His face is clearly visible throughout the shot. Eastwood also directed the suicide jumper scene. So, the suicide jumper scene Eastwood directed, which is also a fantastic scene, and he did his own stunt for when he jumped from the bridge onto the school bus. That's actually him. That's not a stunt double or anything. That's cool. I like when uh, actors do their own stunts. The line, my, that's a big one, spoken by Scorpio when Callahan removes his gun, was an ad-lib by Robinson. The the crew broke into laughter as a result of the double-end trade, and the scene had to be reshot, but the line stayed. So he made a dirty joke, in case anyone was wondering, and the line stayed because they thought it was hilarious. The final scene in which Callahan throws his badge into the water is a homage... To a homage to a similar scene from the 1952's High Noon. Eastwood initially did not want to toss the badge, believing it indicated that Callahan was quitting the police department. Siegel argued that tossing the badge was instead Callahan's indication of casting away the efficiency of the police force's rules and bureaucracy. Although Eastwood was able to convince Siegel not to have Callahan toss the badge when the scene was filmed, Eastwood changed his mind and went with Siegel's preferred ending. He realized he didn't want it. They were like, alright, fine. Um, but then they were like, Eastwood was like, you know what? Let's just, let's do it. Uh, it will be good. Eastwood decided while he was doing it that, you know what? I think I'll just do it. I will, I think I'll just do it. Just, just do it. Do it, do it, do it. Do it for the mankind. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what that was. I would just improvise, because why not, I guess? Um, I think that Eastwood's portrayal of Harry Callahan is fantastic, because nobody else could pull that off. The film caused controversy when it was released, sparking debate over issues ranging from police brutality, police brutality, police brutality. I'm trying to talk, and I'm sorry I mess up every time <laughs> that I say something that's like police brutality. So I apologize. I'll, I will correct it every time, just so you know. Um to victims' rights and the nature of law enforcement. At the 44th Academy Awards, feminists protested outside the Dorothy Ch- Chandler Pavilion, holding up banners which read messages such as, Harry- Dirty Harry is a rotten pig. Jay Cox, Jay Cox, <laughs> of time, praised Eastwood's performance as Dirty Harry, describing him as, him as giving his best performance so far. Tense, tough, full of imp- implicit identification with his character. 
Neil Gabler also praised Eastwood's performance in the film. There is an incredible pleasure in watching Clint Eastwood do what he does, and he does it so well. Film critic, one of my favorites, Roger Roger Ebert, gave the film three stars out of four, calling it very effective at the level of thriller, but denouncing its moral position as fascist. Gene Siskel, uh, Roger Ebert's partner uh, from the show Ebert and Siskel, um, gave the film a full four, four out of four stars and praised it as one of the great police thrillers of motion picture history. I agree with Siskel, though he thought it that the film's message was dangerous. Robert, I, I agree with Siskel. I, I do agree with Ebert, but Siskel, I, I, I would give it a four out of four stars. I think that is better. Roger Greenspun of the New York Times wrote that, what makes Dirty Harry worth watching, no matter how dumb the story is? The story's not dumb. It's supposed to be based on a true story of, like, the Zodiac type thing, you know? It's not a dumb story. Um, is Siegel's suburb sense of the city not a place of moods, but as a theater for action? Kevin Thomas of the Los Angeles Times called it high-style film with low bro, low-brow appeal, a movie after which you may dislike yourself for liking it as much as you do. No, I don't think I do. A section of the Philippine police force ordered a print of the film for use as a training film. They ordered a print of the film for use of, so they could use it for, like, as a training film. That's weird. That's funny. That, like, a poli- an actual police force, like, was like, all right, we need this. Since its release, the film's critical repuchin? Re- 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 Repuchin? puppin? Reputation has grown in satire. Dirty Harry was selected in 2008 by Empire Magazine as one of the 500 greatest movies of all time. It was placed similar, similarly on the best 1,000 movies ever made list by New York Times. In January 2010, Total Film indicated the film on its on its list of the 100 mo- greatest movies of all time. TV Guide and Vanity Fair also included the film on their list of 50 best movies. A generation later, Dirty Harry is now regarded as one of the best films in 1971. Based mainly on reviews from the 2000s, the film holds an up- approval rating of 89% on the review agreed website Rotten Tomatoes from a sample of 46 credits with the average rating of 7.81 out of 10. The side's critics consists reads as though as Tackington as its nonsense hero, Dirty Harry delivers a de- deceptively, de- deceptively <laughs> layered mes- message without sacrificing an ounce of its solid action impact on metric 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 metacricket. That's not what it's called. I'm just going to call it Metacricket. Cricket. I can't even pronounce what it's not even called. The film has a weighted average score of 90 out of 100 based on nine critics, including universal acclaim. In 2014, Time Out polled several film critics, directors, actors, and stunt actors to list their top action film. Dirty Harry was listed at 78th place in this list. John Millis later said he loved the film. I think it's a great film, one of the few recent great films, more important than The Godfather, wouldn't go that far. It's larger than the sum of its parts. I don't think it's so brilliantly written or brilliantly acted. Siegel can take more credit than anyone for it. I don't think it's it's more important than The Godfather. Sure, it's more of a true story, but that doesn't mean it's more important. 
it's it's still a great movie overall. It's but The Godfather is, I in my opinion, still way more important than uh, Dirty Harry. Um, then we are going to go down to. We are gonna okay. So Dirty, if you gotten all the way through this and you still don't know what Dirty Harry is. When a madman calling himself the Scorpio Killer menaces the city, tough-as-nails San Francisco police inspector Dirty Harry Callahan is assigned to track down and ferret out the crazed psychopath. That's what it's about, okay? If you didn't know that already, if you're just watching this with no idea of what you're watching, or, I mean, listening to, not even watching, I'm stupid. I don't know why you are, but that's that's what the movie's about, Okay? I don't know who's who's listening to this that really doesn't under know anything about it or at all, but that's what it's about. I probably should have said that at the beginning, but that's that's what it's about. All right. Eastwood's iconic portrayal of the blunt, cynical, unorthodox detective who is seeming, seemingly in preemptive trouble when his incompetent bosses set the style for a number of his later roles and indeed a whole genre of loose canon cop films. The film resonated with American public that had become weary and frustrated with increasing violent urban crime that is that was the characteristic of time. The film was released at a time where the frequent reports of local and federal committing police committing offenses and overstepping their authority by entrapment and a obstruction of justice. Author Pat Patrick McGillan argued that America needs a hero, a winner at the time, when authorities were losing the battle against crime. The box office success of Dirty Harry led the production of four sequels. Four. So, like I said earlier, in 2007, film Zodiac, also set in San Francisco and inspired by the Zodiac Killer, cartoonist Robert Graysmith approaches the police detective, Dave Toshi, at the cinema, where he is watching Dirty Harry with his wife. When Grayson tells Tashi he's going to catch the Zodiac Killer, Tashi replies, Pow, they're already making movies about it. So that was sort of funny that they did that. Dirty Harry helped popularize the Smith & Wesson Model 29 revolver, chambered for the powerful 44 Magnum cartridge, and annihilated an increase in sales of the handgun. In 2010, artist James Giorgio Polis included the screen-used guns from Dirty Harry in his Gun the Cinema series. Dirty Harry's famous line, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Is often misquoted and properly used in its humorous and boastful manner as saying, do you feel lucky? So, people think the line is, you got to ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Well, it's actually, you got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? That's the real, uh, that's the real thing. That's the real line. But nobody really knows that. A lot of, well, uh, when I say nobody really knows it. People know it, but they don't really think about it. The film supposedly inspired a real-life crime, the Faraday School Kidnapping, in October 1972, so a year and a few months, at, so a few months, a year and a few months before the film would have been released. So it would have been almost exactly a year, just by a few months. 
Um, in October of 1972, soon after the release of the movie in Australia, two armed men, one of whom coincidentally had the last name Eastwood, kidnapped a teacher and six children in Victoria. They demanded a $1 million ransom. The state government agreed to pay, but the children managed to escape, and the kidnappers were subsequently jailed. In September of 1981, a case occurred in Germany under circumstances quite similar to the Barbara Jane Mackle case. A 10-year-old girl, Ursula Herman, was buried alive in a box filled with ventilation, lighting, and sanitary systems to be held for ransom. The girl suffocated in her prison within 48 hours of her abduction because autumn leaves had clogged up the ventilation duct. 27 years later, a couple was arrested and tried for kidnapping and murder on circumstantial evidence. The case was also dealt with in the German TV series, I can't pronounce German. I'm not a German guy. I can't read German. Alright, don't get mad at me. I can't read German. If I could read German, I would. Alright, trust me. Okay? German's not my thing. Uh, but, I know Spanish. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, tres. Huh? Huh? Right? No? No. Well, okay. Thought I was right there. Guess not. Here's some, uh, did you know stuff. When producer Jennings Lang initially could not find an actor to take the role of Callahan, he sold the... We already read that. We already read that. Goofs. As the, at the cross on Mount Davidson, Scorpio makes Harry toss his gun but a, a good distance away onto the concrete, which would cause noticeable damage to the revolver's blued finish. However, in the final scene, where Harry again delivers his famous speech, there's no visible damage to the weapon. Quotes, Callahan, I don't want any more trouble like you had last year in Fillmore District. You understand? That's my policy. Yeah, well, when an adult male is chasing a female with intent to commit rape, I shoot the bastard. That's my policy. Intent? How'd you establish that? When a naked when a naked when a naked man is chasing a woman through a dark alley with a butcher knife and a and a and a hard on, I figure he isn't out collecting for the Red Cross. I think he's got a point. Crazy credits. During the opening credits, the word "dirty" in the title is brown, as opposed to the rest of the credits, yellow. I don't know if that's a poop reference or not. When screened on cable TV channel AMC, the first shootout was edited in such a way as to create a community error with Harry's Did I Shoot Five Times or Six? In the edited version, his third shot is missing and is his sixth shot, which sends the robber crashing through a window. Thus, he only fires four times, not six, and he, and he, as he does in the unedited version. <laughs> what? Okay, we're going to look at some connections. So... Um, let me see here. Remade as Coon Coon, 1973, was the Bollywood remake. Edited into Dirty Harry's Way of 1971, a short. The spin-off, Dirty Harry, in 1990, the video game. The game is based off of, on Harry and uses the same cover art as the first movie. References, High Noon, the final scene, is a reference to the similar scene in the movie. We already read that. We're Window, binocular shots in a window scene... Are references to Weir Window. Goldfinger, the name Pussy Galore, is seen on a sign in the Red Light District. Bullet, McQueen's based his performance on the real cop David Toshi, who the writers of Dirty Harry based their lead character on. So Bullet and uh, Dirty Harry are sort of based, they're based on the same guy. Um, 
Charles Scorpio Killer Davis is loosely based on the Zodiac Killer, and the role of Harry Callahan is loosely based on the real-life detective David Tashi, who was the chief investigator in the uh, Zodiac's case. Play Misty for Me, title shown on Cinema Marquee. So, uh, Clint Eastwood's first directorial debut movie, Play Misty for Me, is shown on a Cinema Marquee, apparently. That's pretty cool. Um, I Spy in 1971, the narrator compares himself to Harry. Dirty Harry, H-A-R-I, don't be confused, 1972, title and story references. The Case of Bloody Iris, poster visible during opening credits as Isbetor Caligon. So I think it's uh, Italian? Sonny and Jed, 1972, Sheriff Franciscus is a no-nonsense law- lawman dedicated to his work who uses a magnum, who uses a, who uses, who uses a magnum, calls criminal punks, and his name references San Francisco, where Dirty Harry works. Ex- Experienza Parmatriumo? 1972, the poster of the film is put on the wall of a cinema. Louis and Ann Algerandra come inside to watch the movie. I gotta sneeze a lot. We'll probably have a sneeze counter by the... You know what? By 2022, I promise you this. I will have an episode that will have a sneeze counter of just me sneezing. Alright, I promise you that. Oh, I will make sure that it has a sneeze counter. Line. Coffee. Not coffee. K. K. (laughs) Maybe we'll have one of how many times I mispronounce things, but I've already mispronounced so many things in this one. That would probably be like a three-hour episode. Coffee. C-O-F-F-Y. Not C-O-F-F. I totally... I don't even know how to spell coffee. I don't know what's up with me today. I don't. I think I just got the jitters or something. Coffee, 1973, line, blow your head clean off. So I guess that's a mention. Live and let die, Bond uses a Smith & Weston 44 Magnum, a reference to Clint Eastwood being considered for the role Bond. I would love to see Clint Eastwood as James Bond. That would have been great. It's referenced in Enter the Dragon, apparently. I don't remember it being referenced, but... I, that may be a, something I have to go back and uh, look at. Um, something I can't pronounce, but it doesn't even say anything about it. The Streets of San Francisco Commitment, 1974 TV episode. Miss Carlino compares her late husband to the iconic movie character. Miss Carlino is played by Tyne Daly, who will later play Dirty Harry's partner. Huh. Black Christmas of 1970. Not, not Christmas of 1974. Black Christmas, the movie, which came out in 1974. Um, it is referenced. It just says it is referenced. The Sweeney Jigsaw 1975 TV episode. A cinema is showing a Harry Callahan double bill. SWAT, A Coven of Killers 1975 TV episode. Dom says TJ sometimes comes on like Dirty Harry. Barney Miller, The Hero 1975 TV episode. Chano said he saw this movie to take his mind off the shooting. The Happy Hooker, 1975, there's a character named Dirty Harry. Cleopatra Jones in the Casino of Gold, 1975. Kiss the Tarantula, 1975, seen on the marquee at the drive-in. White House Madness, 1975, the title was mentioned. 
Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, episode number 1.7, 1976, TV episode. Mary Hartman mentions what kind of gun Dirty Harry carries. Sneak preview. A star is born. King Kong, the 7% solution. The Enforcer. The Enforcer is actually another Dirty Harry movie. Um, So, Network, Rocky. Nickelodeon, Silver Streak, 1976 episode, TV episode. Roger Ebert mentioned the two earlier Dirty Harry pictures in his review of the newest one. So he mentions uh, the other ones because he's met, talking about Enforcer. Harry Callahan slash Clint Eastwood, something special in films. 1976, Shorty Short, mentioned a few times. Beretta, Open Season, 1977 TV episode. Rooster refers Doc Stock was Dirty Harry. Saturday Night Live, Charles Goldwyn, Paul Simon, 1977 TV episode. Title mentioned on Weekend Update. Blake Seven, 1978 TV series. Paul Darrow's performance as Avon was based on Dirty Harry. Lupin the Third, Falling, Falling Cherry Blossom, The Mysterious Gang of Five, Part Two, 1978 TV episode. Jiggin says that he would g- give Dirty Harry a good scar. I don't know about that. Dirty Harry's pretty strong, Jiggin. Smokey and the Hot Wire Gang, 1979. Over the Edge, 1979. Sunburn, 1979. Title mentioned by Nara Ortega. A Man, a Woman, and a Bank, 1979. One of the Night Watchmen quotes the 357 Magnum blows a man's head clean offline whilst chasing the kids trespassing on the building site. Cornell's Cuties, 1979. A Japanese posters on the wall. The Island, 1980. In the gun store, Justin mentions that one of his gun, one of the guns, is a type that Dirty Harry used. Private Lessons, 1981. Mallow tells Jack Travis to watch Dirty Harry to prepare himself. Ah, I was gonna sneeze again. I promise. Oh, my nose! I got allergies, bro. I got a bad allergies. Three Company, Three's Company, The Matchbreakers, 1982 TV episode. Miss Furley mentions the title. T.J. Hooker, Hooker's War, 1982 TV episode. Hooker calls Benedict the original Dirty Harry. Class 1984-1982, it is referenced. Chan is Missing, 1982, The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Robin Williams, 1982 TV episode. Reference in the upcoming segment to Dirty Harry... Kershina. Clint Eastwood, director, 1982 TV movie, mentioned once. 10 to Midnight, 1983, police detective stalks and lies and wait for an elusive kill. Now I got the hiccups. Elusive Killer, The Big Score, 1983, reportedly based on one of the several previous scripts written for the Dirty Harry series. So The Big Score is a spin-off, sort of. So it says of uh, one of the Dirty Harry original scripts, one of them of the series. So for anyone that's like, I want something like Dirty Harry, it looks like you may want to hit up the big score. A Night with Lou Reed. Lou Reed recites the Feeling Lucky Punk dialogue from the movie at one point during the concert. That was 1983, by the way. Um, there's a lot of things on here. I don't want to read them all. Miami Vice, it's mentioned, referenced by name. So I'm going to name one that, like, actually I know. Police Academy 2, their first assignment, 1985. When Sweet Chuck closes up shop, he places a life-sized cardboard cut out of Clint Eastwood Dirty Harry by the door as a deterrent. That's funny. Ugh.
I'm just looking at these. The Golden Girls break in 1985 TV episode. Uh, Dorothy misquotes Dirty Harry's Will Do Ya Punk speech. The robbers she believes are still in the house. Um. There's a lot of things on here. Uh, something about Cobra. Wait, I'll read this actually. Rini Santoro's character in Cobra is Sergeant Gonzalez. In, 19, in Dirty Harry, 1971, Santoro's character was also named Gonzalez. Harry's partner, Chico. Interesting. Same, same, uh, world. Maybe, maybe. Um, oh, it's actually mentioned in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mentioned in Dialogue. Big Trouble in Little, Little China. Egg mentions it. Friday the 13th, Part 4, Jason lives. Lizbeth tells Darren he's not Dirty Harry. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Part 2, I know what you're thinking. Um... I thought the equalizer... Oh, I'm thinking of the Enforcer. I was like, wait, what? Um, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Billy pulls out a 44 Magnum out of his holster. Axel says, what do you think you are? Clint Eastwood? Dirty Rosewood? Um... That was loud. Um, at my house. I don't know, uh, how, how much of it, how loud it was there, um, but, Deadpool 1988, the old newspaper headline reads, Scorpio Killer Captured, interesting, um, should we go, oh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh, one of my favorite shows, actually, um, 1989 TV episode, Servo, like in Dirty Harry, is what he says in about Superdome, I guess. Something in it. Um, there's so many things on here. I don't even know, like, why is there so many? That's another thing. Why? Um... Many, the Rookie, 1990, many references and in its jokes, such as David reminding Nick about how they don't have a search warrant, which is how the Scorpio Killer was able to avoid jail. And when Nick's reminded, he says, says he hates his upright regulation spouting, spouting Boy Scout horseshit. Also, Eastwood complains about, about the gun and the security guard, about the gun, the security guard's gun only had five rounds. Interesting. Okay, so this is funny. This is, uh, Mr. Giant Cedar 3000, Godzilla vs. Megalon 1991. Joel, I know what you're thinking. Did I fire flame 600 feet or only 500? That's, that's funny. Well, you don't see that a lot. Um, I'm just reading some of these that. Cape Fear, which I just recently watched, 1994, later refers to Dirty Harry. I do think I remember that. I think I remember that briefly. I don't 
remember exactly, but I think I do. I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things on here. I've said it so many times. Let's just scroll to the bottom. What's like the most recent? Why is Watch Mojo listed? That's weird. Um, that's weird. Watch Mojo is listed on a lot of these. It was is listed because it's like I guess some of the most recent. Um, I don't know. Um, oh my neck, guys, it hurts. So, um, let's talk about our next film, which is going to be Goodfellas. All right, amazing film. And I actually have some pretty cool things um, about, I know about it. Um, and so that's going to be our next movie. Um, then, um, I don't know what we'll do after that, um, but we'll see. Um, this was really fun. I'm excited to do it again. And, yeah, I think this is going to be really good. So, I'll take you guys on that journey with me. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I asked you guys a question. Well, do you, punk? Shot in 35 millimeters.